Welcome to the School of Travels podcast. I'm your host, Becky Gillespie, and each week I bring you stories of how travel can truly change your life if you take the chance to get out on the road and step out of your comfort zone. My guests also share travel tips and lessons they've learned along the way, which I hope inspires you to let travel be your teacher. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the School of Travels podcast. I have a brand new episode today for you, but before I get to that, I want to wish all of my American listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. I envy the turkey that you're about to eat, and especially the stuffing. I just love stuffing. In the spirit, perhaps, of the American Thanksgiving holiday, I interview another American this week, Mr. Sheridan Cahoon, travel blogger, photographer, and website designer, along with hiking enthusiast, and he writes the Outside Vibes travel blog. One reason I really wanted to sit down with Sheridan was to talk about travel insurance, something that we have not covered on this podcast yet, and something that is so important when we go on trips. And Sheridan brings up a lot of things that you may not have considered when thinking about buying your travel insurance. He talks a lot about world nomads. Uh, He's used this a lot in his travels. I also want to point out something we don't bring up in the podcast, but um, a company that's been growing rapidly in the last couple of years, and that is Safety Wing, which is actually the travel insurance that I use now. And they're trying to cater more directly to the digital nomad community. For more general travel insurance, you have more options, but I found Safety Wing to have a lot of innovative new options, and they're trying more and more to also incorporate a visit back to the U.S. as part of the package. So I'm going to let Sheridan talk. I'm excited for you to meet him in this week's podcast. Here we go. Welcome to episode 27 of the School of Travels podcast. And today I'm here with... Hi, I'm Sheridan and thanks for letting me on here, Becky. Thank you for joining me, Sheridan. Sheridan, what's your last name, by the way? Uh, My name is Sheridan Cahoon and I'm from North Dakota in the United States. All right. I actually have never been to North Dakota. It's a beautiful state, sometimes. Sometimes it's not. Winter's um, extremely cold, but summer is also really hot. And it's really lovely, though, because there's a lot of farming and agriculture, so it's nice to see, like, the good fields, like, farm fields are all I can see. Cool. Well, okay, so I know you're from North Dakota. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you're doing on the road? Yeah, I'm a travel blogger, photographer, website designer, you know, basically a digital nomad that is trying to make things work while traveling abroad. My main focus, though, is my um, travel blogging. That's what I do a lot. And yeah, my main, I mean, I like traveling, I like seeing new places and hiking. And what brings you here to, we're uh, now in Playa del Carmen, <laughs> right outside of Cancun. So what, what brought you here? Yeah, I'm in Playa now for the Nomad Summit, which we did together in Cancun. And now we're here because I actually had an extra week. And I didn't realize that this extra week was going on until I came down. So oh, really? it's really fun. Yeah, just oh. to, it's nice that we've been able to like, connect with other people and extend like the little Nomad Summit thing. So it's been fun. Yeah, I love that we can also just extend, right? Because yeah. we've, you know, been able to work from our computers, so it's mm-hmm. so great. But, well, okay, so I'm interested in this growing up in North Dakota okay. uh, thing and how it led you to where you are now. Um, did your family travel a lot? or No, like <laughs> not at all. Growing up in North Dakota. <laughs> um, my dad still doesn't leave the state at all, and I don't know if he will much. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not a fan of travel. He's really happy there, and, you know, it's good for him. People like it, you know. He likes his things, but growing up, you know, we did a little bit of like family vacation, but that's only like camping around the state, nothing really major. So I actually grew up and not really with a desire to travel, travel, you know, 
So I went through like high school, university, had no clue like where I wanted to live. I even didn't know if I wanted to live away from home. So I switched universities to a different one to get a job where my dad works like at home. So I basically like was going to stay in my little town and really liked it. I liked it until I didn't, I guess. I should say that. Well, was there like a turning point, like a definitive turning point? Yeah, there was. So it's like um, after university, I started, I got a career right away, which was amazing. Started making good money. And then next thing I know... What were you doing? I was working in the electrical field. Oh, okay. So yeah, I was working um, for a power company, which is like one of the main things at home. So we worked with like coal, wind, natural gas, and that stuff. I was um, working on the transmission line stuff. And so... I was gone a lot. We had a lot of like um, construction. So every week when I was working, I was out of town, staying in a hotel in like crappy small town, North Dakota. Oh, wow. And to me, it just, there was a turning point after a while because it was like, I didn't have any free time. All I did was work and I, you know, I was making money, but I wanted to go see things or experience stuff. But I also didn't really want to. And then it's just like the years were kind of going by. I was feeling older. And like still kind of in my home ways, wasn't like married or anything or no girlfriend then. And so how, how old were you when you were feeling like that? Uh, Mid twenties. I didn't leave from my first adventure till I was twenty five. Okay. So yeah, I didn't leave the country till twenty five, almost twenty six. So it's, it was one of those points where it's like, okay, I want to see some places now because, you know, life seemed the same. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't seem like anything was different than when I was eighteen. You know, every year it was kind of the same at home. It's interesting you said, like, I wanted to travel, but I also didn't. Like, yeah. can, you just, can you explain what I also didn't? Like, I really wanted to see places, but I was also afraid to. Like, I remember um, when I left for my first time traveling, I don't think I would have went by myself. It was a friend of mine. He hated his job, too, in North Dakota, and he was the one that actually pushed me to come with and join on his travels. Oh. So, yeah, I don't know if I would have quit or went if it wasn't for, like, somebody else being like, no, it'll be cool. it'll be fine, let's go do this. And let's go travel. Yeah. Was, was he um, a coworker or was he? Somewhere? No, he worked in um, a different field, but he didn't like his job either. He traveled a little bit. He worked in Australia for a while and everything. Mm-hmm. And even my first time traveling, I left with the anticipation that I would be gone for six months and I'd get my travels out of my system. And then, like, my company was going to save my job for me. And I was supposed to go back to work when I got home. So, like, it wasn't supposed to be like a long term thing. It was like, okay, yeah, I'll go see some stuff, get the time off that I wanted. And then, like, Keep going back to my career. Wow. So what happened in those six months? I started traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I traveled and it was really eye-opening. It was amazing. It was a whole different world compared to at home or just in general, like seeing these amazing places and just like there was freedom to it. You know, there's, you could go anywhere. You could do anything. You can you meet a lot of people. There's a lot of cool cultures. And so after like the first month, where were you, by the way? Where did you go? Um, we went to Thailand. So okay. Him and I, yeah, we made a plan and just bought one-way tickets to Bangkok, Thailand. Our goal was to escape the winter. And, yes, yeah, so we did Southeast Asia for six months. And it was just, it was amazing. And I knew, like, right when I started traveling that, okay, somehow I wanted to make a career out of it or wanted to, like, create some kind of brand or business surrounding it. So you felt comfortable, like, immediately? Yeah, I felt comfortable, but also awkward, because, like, any first-time backpacker, I think, you know, I was scared of what we were doing or whatever, but, like, once you got into, like, the travel routine and you met people, then it was pretty easy. Were you staying in hostels? Yeah, we are staying in hostels, but we were also very, like, I don't know, we didn't, we stayed in hostels, we stayed in, like, private rooms to ourselves, so we didn't really 
expand to a lot of people. We kind of mostly kept together because there was two of us and we were comfortable with each other. But yeah, we did meet you know quite a few amazing people. It's it's different traveling with someone than traveling solo, I guess I should say. Right. I know when you have that second person, there is more of a tendency to get the private room. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah now Airbnb. Something yeah. Like that. Yeah, definitely. Wow, so six months in Southeast Asia, and then you said, like, you didn't go back to your job? Yeah, I didn't go back to my job. Um, so we did six months there, and we traveled fast and furious, I guess. We went to a new city, like, every three days, and it, it definitely got, we definitely got burnt out pretty quick, going that fast, travel, 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 but it was also amazing. So when I got home, um, my company was saving my job, and I told them that I didn't want it. And so, yeah, I stayed home for a few months through wedding season. <laughs> one of my friends were getting married, so I was in a few weddings, and then I set off solo on my first adventure alone. Wow. Yeah. How did you get from, like, being comfortable, like, you know, with another person to going solo? Um, I think I just got more used to traveling, and, you know, once you picked up kind of the habits of backpacking and backpackers and stuff, I think it was a little scary the first time I went out by myself, but I knew also that it would be easy to meet people because of what we just experienced, you know, traveling together, that it is possible to find people right away. Had you, did you grow up having certain places that you'd always wanted to visit in your mind? I don't know if Thailand, really. Bangkok was always that place that you've been It wasn't, just to. anywhere in the mountains or, you know, something I've always wanted to see, but no, there wasn't really like, I wanted, I guess that's a lie, I wanted to see like Scotland and see like castles, like I always like castles and stuff like that, but they all seemed like a far-flung dream, like way out there that it's never possible, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, because... I don't know, small USA is, that's like home, that's your biggest area, you know, there's no world outside of it kind of thing, yeah. everything seems so big. Right, I, being yeah. from Cincinnati, I can kind yeah, of feel true. that similar, the heartland, mm-hmm. the middle, you know, yeah. this vast country, so, all right, so you went solo, where did yes. you go then? Uh, I set off to Mexico, and I backpacked through Mexico, Central America, all the way down to Colombia, um, from Colombia, so I did that solo for, I don't know, five months or something. And I, it was really nice, though, because Central America, there's, like, um, a backpacker route. So everybody goes to this city, then to this place, and to this place. I don't know if you've been through Central America. Not most of it. I've just yeah. been to one place in Costa Rica. Okay. One place, like, a couple places in Nicaragua. Yeah. What's the, what was, what's the general route? Yeah, the general route is um, basically the Yucatan. So there's a certain set places you go, like, Cancun is a whole bosh, Chichen Itza, then down to here where we're at, Playa del Carmen, and... Um, Tulum, and then from there you go to Belize, and you stop on one island in Belize, and you make your way to Guatemala, through Guatemala, there's a few cities, and down, then down through Honduras, and you stop there if you want to go diving, and then you go to, um, oh, what's below Honduras, um, El Salvador, yeah, that's El Salvador, and just straight through Panama, and down. Oh, wow, so you did it all. Yep. And then made it to Colombia, like you said. Yeah, that's what's nice about there, is it's a small route, and you meet people, and everyone's going the same direction. And so you end up just, like, making friends and following each other down. Might be a day or two in between, but, like, everyone ends up in the same spot. So that was really cool. Uh, yeah, it sounds amazing. I'm yeah. curious, because I haven't had this, this situation where someone's done this before. So you did Southeast Asia, and then, like, shortly thereafter mm-hmm. did Central America. How did you find th- these routes to be different? Because I feel like you took a huge yeah. leap in terms of, oh, it's so much more dangerous in Central America. You yeah. Know? But you were okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, the routes were very different, I was going to say. So, like, Central America, it's one route. Everyone sticks to the same cities, the same place. Southeast Asia, people just pop around, like, everywhere. So there's, like, there is a certain route that people go through in each country, 
but people just kind of go, they'll be in Thailand or you go to Cambodia or someone will go down to Malaysia or go straight over to Vietnam. There's no like big route I get. Or I mean, there is like routes, but there's no like set itinerary like Central America is. I guess it's more circular than yeah. north to south. Yeah. yeah, so people either love Thailand, so they spend more time there, or they love this place, or they got are going to go up through here to here. But yeah, it's a lot more open, I guess, there. Did There's you, a lot more places you can see and get to. Okay. Did yeah. you find it like significantly more dangerous in Central America than in Southeast Asia? Um, as like physical danger to myself, I would say I've noticed it a lot more yeah, here. And just like a feeling of unease. I felt that here more than Southeast Asia, I would say. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because that's what you hear, but yeah. sometimes the, that's not the truth when you're on the mm-hmm. ground. But I've I mean, not been to I've met people, I've been robbed in both places. I met people getting robbed and everywhere. But I think there is a general like feeling in, I think maybe it is because like you have to stick to specific areas, but that was also my second time traveling now. I'm a little more wise on it too. So it's like, I haven't felt that here again, or I've been back to Mexico and central before, or again, since then, and I didn't feel as uncomfortable either. Okay. So yeah. used to it. Yeah. Um, where were you robbed in Southeast Asia? <laughs> Um, I had, Bangkok, that's my guess. <laughs> no, not in Bangkok. I um, had a phone stolen in um, Malaysia. Okay. Yeah, and I also had a phone stolen in Mexico City. So, okay. just was it like on the train? Yeah, or? on the train. So just crime like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, being I'm always dumb. curious because if I hear it, I'm like, how do I avoid that situation? Yep. Or how can we all? Yeah. Well, especially Mexico, it was just me being stupid. I got off a train and we were too busy, and I put my phone in my pocket and like okay. back on the subway again, and next thing you know, it was gone. I feel like you guys have a little bit more of a disadvantage because we have purses as women and typically zippers, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes you're more of a target with the phone. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And I used to be good. I used to, like, on that trip, I remember I'd always put it in my backpack and for some reason I was using it. I guess I was using it for maps or whatever and just, like, quickly, yeah. Yeah. And I know I get complacent. Yeah, that that happens too, yeah. I don't want to pull this out on the train anywhere. And then two days later, all right, let's read a novel now. It just, yeah. Okay, so Central America, you ended in, you ended in Colombia. Yes. And um, yeah, how's Colombia? Because I hear, I hear it's not safe. I think it's more safe than you hear. I felt really safe there compared to like other places, compared to like Guatemala or somewhere. I felt really safe in Colombia. It's a beautiful country. Everyone's friendly that I met. Um, I think they are not used to as many tourists there, so I think that's why, um, when they see tourists, it's okay. I'm also, yeah. listeners, I'm being facetious because I have been to Colombia as well, okay. and I, I don't like how certain countries get such a terrible reputation, yeah. especially in the U.S. media, and mm-hmm. I, did, I had no issues there, even the portions where I was traveling alone, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's fine there. I think people love seeing tourists there because they're not used to it, mm-hmm. where here there's a lot of over-tourism, so they see more opportunity, I guess, because of all the tourists and stuff, yeah. So when did you start? I know you have a website, a blog called Outside Vibes. Yes. Uh, when did you start that? Um, I came up with the name Outside Vibes right away in 2013. All right. And I didn't start that. I started that when I did my solo trip, but it was basically a really crappy website where I was going to put photos on to share my adventures with family, and I wasn't like comfortable with it, and I never really did any work on it. So it's been a slow progress since 2014, I would say. And it wasn't until actually like 2017 where I actually told people about it and put it out to the world and like felt comfortable with it. So yeah. I think there's probably a lot of us that have done yeah. similar things, but I think it's nice to know that you can always start. Just start. Yes. It doesn't matter how long it's been languishing. Mm-hmm. Try. I mean, 
Yeah, I was very, for a while, I was very focused on, like, perfection and catching up. Like, I, I couldn't tell anybody because I still haven't wrote about these journeys that I've done. I wanted all the content now before telling anybody about it. And I don't think that's the right mentality. It's definitely not the right mentality. And I've also learned, too, like you said, that, like, it's okay to start it, and then you can take time away because it's not going to disappear or it's not going to go anywhere. Like, now, if you, I haven't worked on it for a while, it's still there. It's not like it's just, well, if I don't work on it, it's going to be gone. Yeah. yeah. I, I learned that you can take the dates off of your posts as oh, well. Yes. Which is uh, helpful for me now because <laughs> I have a job, Japan, Tokyobeki.com. I have a uh, Japan blog that didn't get much further than like 12 posts. Mm-hmm. And But there's still a lot of value people can find from yeah. it. So. so, okay. One thing we talked about before this interview is um, health insurance on the road. Yes. Which has not received a lot of coverage on my <laughs> blog, or sorry, on my, on my podcast. So I'd love to hear your stories. I'm sorry, this might bring up some pain for you (laughs) from the past, but I think you have a lot that you can teach us about what we like, how we can claim on our insurance and Mm -hmm. the different things that can happen. So would you mind sharing some of your experiences related to travel insurance? So yeah, for travel insurance, um, I've been injured severely three times on the road and then slightly like five between injuries and um, like thefts and stuff. I guess I've made about nine claims, nine or 10. And I've always used uh, a specific company. I don't know, World Nomads is mm-hmm. the one I go through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you wanna talk about first, whether like what kind of insurance to have or how to claim or what, but I know that the main part with every travel insurance is to look through their policy because some insurances are better than others when Little things happen that you don't think would ever happen, like needing to be on a business class flight home because you're injured and that was the only ticket available, like if your insurance will cover that or not. Mm -hmm. So most won't. World Nomads is one that will cover um, upgraded flight classes to get yourself home if you're really injured. Do you know if World Nomads is more more expensive? It is more expensive than a lot of the other ones I've researched. So I've actually made a blog post about them, comparing different insurances, and I feel like I'm one that's actually talked about the insurances a lot of people write about them but it's just copy and paste for affiliate links mm-hmm. and I actually describe like okay this one is good if you're doing a short trip through work or if you're doing like a two-week resort stay you, you don't really need as extensive coverage as someone who's backpacking through Nepal or something would so it, it kind of depends first I would say when you look at insurance it depends on what kind of trip you want to do if you're doing a backpacking trip that's long term if you're doing a short trip that's through work or through a resort or like on a cruise or something, you need a different, well, you don't need, but you can get a different type of insurance. You don't really need as extensive of coverage. Or if you're going somewhere close, like I've traveled to Mexico and used um, Allianz insurance instead of World Nomads. It was a lot cheaper, um, covers most of the same stuff, but like they don't cover the flight thing that World Nomads does. But I'm like, well, a short flight to Mexico and home isn't that expensive and it's not that far if I did get hurt. Do most of these policies have the emergency evac coverage? In general, I guess you're yes. saying World Nomads has better evac. Yeah, so every insurance will have an emergency evacuation coverage, but most of them will cover you with the type of ticket that you purchase to get to that country. So most people that fly are on cheap economy, which means if you're hurt, they will only cover cheap economy to get home. Or World Nomads will cover any flight to get home if the doctor recommends it. They're not just going to put you on business class if you hurt an ankle or something. The doctor has to recommend that it's needed to get home. 
Did you have to pay all of it up front when you did have issues like this? Um, I did not have to pay for the flights up front, which was nice. Royal Nomads covered that. But I did have to pay for my hospital stuff up front. Most hospitals won't admit you unless you have a credit card. So everything has been put on credit card first. Has then, it ever been an amount that you that was bigger than your limit on your credit card? I don't know. I imagine um, being an American that... I like, have a high limit, yeah. Okay. But also not. It would have been. Like my last injury in Thailand, I broke my jaw my Achilles and got pretty hurt with a tuk-tuk and it was fine for my credit card then but if I would have stayed for surgery through that I probably would have been higher for my limit because I was in like a private hospital like a really specialized one that did like surgery on that type of thing so I would say yeah that would be but for the most part I don't think you have to worry and I don't know if you can't cover it if the insurance will cover it for you then I see. That's I'm one not thing sure. I've yeah. always I haven't looked at that. Yeah, if you yeah. you physically can't cover it with your credit card or anything, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into that and add that to my posts and stuff. That's okay. a good question, yeah. I'm just an American, so I'm thinking like yeah. $50,000 for your surgery, and yeah. that is definitely not my limits. Or yeah, my that's not card. my, yeah. So I don't know how I would pay for that, you mm-hmm. know, or how a lot of people would have that kind of cash, like, yeah. to cover before the insurance does. I oh. I'll have to look at that, yeah. Because, yeah, most of it is you, you pay for it, then you get reimbursed. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of loopholes through that that they try not to reimburse you for, too. Such as what? Did Such as that? taxis. Um, oh. Well, my experience with Royal Nomads is they won't cover a taxi ride. From the injury unless, site to the hospital? Or? Yeah, unless it's specified that you need it or whatever. So, like, they were trying not to cover um, my girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. She had to take a taxi from the hospital to the island where we were staying on to get our bags and everything because I was, the hospital was flying us out. So she had to go grab all her stuff and come back to the hospital. Then we had to fly out and they weren't going to cover that taxi ride because it wasn't necessary, but it also was because, well, she never would have taken a four hour taxi from the hospital to the island if I didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of something you got to look for. Like, um, none of my taxis were covered in Turkey when I got hurt because they were to and from the hospital to my hostel. And I should have had them um, written down under the doctor's note, and then they would have been, but it's something you have to pre-qualify, I guess, for. Oh, yeah. okay, so pre-qualify. I think you have to call and tell the insurance that, hey, you need these type of rides beforehand. Okay, and I guess they make notes in their system, yeah. and put it on the doctor's note, yeah. and then... Okay. And then it can be covered. But yeah. I, these are things I would not have thought about. I guess also mm-hmm. the, the transportation from the hospital to the airport, that's covered? That's not covered unless same thing you pre-qualify or if it's an ambulance. They'll cover an ambulance ride, but if it's just a taxi from there to the airport, they won't unless you talk to them about it first. So I'm hearing like you really need to call as yeah. soon as something happens. As soon as something happens, you need to call your insurance. You need to clarify everything that's going to go on, everything that's going to happen, even for like flights getting home. So um, my ex had to look up the flight route to get home because insurance wasn't doing it. They weren't going to find, like, oh, it's full. They just did a generic Thailand to the USA and, like, oh, we can't find one tomorrow. And so she did an in-depth search of, like, okay, if we fly from here to here, here to here to there, we can get home. Like, there's tickets available. And she had to be like, okay, no, you have to get this airline, this flight, and this one. And she booked business class. Uh, business class was the only one available for the, my China leg, and we got business class for two of the three flights. So she, <laughs> I, I, like I hate to ask, was she also injured? No, she was fine. She was thrown from the tuk-tuk too, and she had like a scrape on her elbow. Oh. 
which is amazing. I'm glad that she was okay. Was her yes. business class flight also covered? Yes, so that's another thing you need to look at in your insurance is if it covers you and your partner, you and your travel buddy, and World Nomads does that. Some of them don't, some do cover it. So it's definitely look through your policy is the first thing you need to do. Okay, just that because yeah. she's like your, your caregiver at that point yeah. until you get back. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's good to know. Yeah, and she was my travel companion, yeah. So yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that maybe that's a point. Like, if she yes. wasn't your original travel companion, and it's like a person that is just you know really their hearts got out to you, they've seen you, and they're yep. also from the U.S. I don't know how this could happen, but yeah, maybe there's a little fine like fine print there about that. Yeah, we didn't really have to prove that we were traveling together. I don't think, but if they did ask for it, we could show that we were had the same flights, we stayed in the same accommodation, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. I, I'd like to go a little bit deeper with the details here. So, what was your first claim for World Nomads? What happened? My first claim, I broke my foot in Turkey when I was doing a thirty-day hike. Did, I, did you just like there, misstep? There was a <laughs> yeah, it was a misstep. I was stupid, and I was wearing really thin shoes, like hiking shoes. They were like trail running shoes, but even thinner, because I'm used to running barefoot and stuff like that at the time. But I never took into consideration a young guy carrying extra weight on his back. So my backpack I was carrying had like not lightweight gear. I had really cheap Keshwa tents and stuff that I bought in Spain before it. So I had really heavy gear. I was carrying way too much stuff. I had like books and like other things with me on this really long hike. So my feet got stressed. I know they got stressed. And then I did do like a big step down and I stepped on like a sharp rock. And I just felt like I, I broke two of my metatarsals and I could just feel like it went yeah so you just could not that you were down you couldn't walk further after oh no I walked for three days oh um thinking no no it can't be broken you're just being it's just you know, pain it's pain it's fine pain. it's not gonna be bad didn't get better it got worse it took me three days to get to a place on the hike where there was like a bus in a town that could take me to the doctor um I got a ride to the hospital the doctor it was a miscommunication thing and she basically thought I was getting pills there because if you broke your foot you shouldn't be able to walk on it kind of thing and she thought I was just there to get medicine so she's like oh you'll be fine just don't be on it for 10 days okay so I'm like maybe it isn't that bad so then I stayed off it kind of for a while you know but you still have to walk when you're traveling to get to the grocery store to get food and whatever and it hurt and it didn't get any better so then I stupidly decided to go to Istanbul to the main specialist which wasn't stupid but on my way to Istanbul, I'm like, well, I'm only in Turkey once. I might as well stop at Cappadocia on the way. And this other site, you know, wasn't good. I, like, couldn't walk around. I got to Cappadocia. I walked for, like, an hour, and then, like, that was it. Like, I was in too much pain. And I'm like, I need to get to the hospital. Um, Took a bus to Istanbul, got to the hospital, and the doctor basically said I was an idiot, put me in a knee-high cast, and said, your foot's broken. Like, you're dumb. You should have came here right away. But you were in a really rural area, at, yeah. at, you know, when it first happened. Yeah, I was two days away from any town, and then that town didn't have a bus that would take me anywhere, so it was three days to get to a bus. So did you just stay in Istanbul to recover? I stayed you... there as long as I needed to through the doctor and through my insurance to get a flight out there and or get a flight home and everything. So, yeah, I stayed there for a little while. So you were still in a cast when you went home? Yes, I was in a cast when I went home, and after walking on it for that long, it kind of screwed up my healing, so I was in a cast for about nine months, in and out of a cast in a walking boot, because my foot refused to heal. It took about two and a half, three years for my foot to actually heal, heal. Wow. 
So there's a lingering effect. So if you get hurt traveling, go to the doctor right away. Get a cast. Listen to it, your body. Listen to your body, even if you don't think it's that bad and it hurts. Listen. Yeah. Because it really will affect the healing time, too. So how did the insurance process work at this point? How much That was my first... That wasn't my first claim. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my first injury claim. My first claim was a stolen phone in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that process was pretty simple. Um, it was straightforward, except so all the processes you need to have every bit of paperwork translated to English. So, That's a good tip. Yes, yeah, so like I had mine in Mexico, everything was in Spanish, the so police report and everything, so I had to translate that all to English, write it up, and then submit it. Did you get someone to do that for you? I or? did it, Google. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you can't, that is an option. Yeah, okay. so basically when you get injured or if something happens, you need to have all your reports in English, you need to have all documentation that you actually owned whatever was stolen, or that you were at the hospital, so you need receipts for, um, you know, what you purchased. So mine was a phone, so I needed a receipt to say I bought this phone. I needed credit card receipts to say I was at the hospital and that I paid so much, or a receipt printed off. If you use a credit card, you need your statement. So you need all your credit card statements, you need all your receipts, everything in English, you need all your doctor paperwork, you need all the um, paperwork describing your injury if you're injured, like what happened, how it happened, um, and if you want to get reimbursed, nothing can happen if you are under any substances. If you are drinking, if you are on drugs, you will not be covered with anything. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. I mean, it makes sense, but noted. <laughs> yes. So I was in Thailand my first time traveling, and I met some guys from England. Um, one of his friends pushed him into a pool. He broke his leg because he landed on a metal stool or concrete stool in the pool. Uh, if he had travel insurance and they saw on his doctor report that he was inebriated, it wouldn't be covered. Yeah, so how would they know that you were under a substance, but I suppose yes. the doctor would? Yeah, a lot of reports, though, right? You know, came in drunk, came in on drugs, could smell this or whatever. Mm. They still write that down. So, yeah, if you're on anything, no coverage. Right. Wow. Do you remember how much they charged you for your uh, the Istanbul foot surgeries well it wasn't I guess it was surgery there I did not have surgery there no okay. um, no I didn't do surgery I waited to go home or I didn't actually have surgery on my foot that was one thing the doctor that I saw at home wasn't going to do surgery till 12 months out because I'm a young guy and if you get a plate in your foot it kind of screws up your foot for life okay so yeah um, but no it cost I had MRI done there I had x-rays and the doctor I think it was only like $1,200 total, I would say. Right. And that's at a specialist and everything. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a feel for what yeah. things do cost out of yeah. pocket when you're there. Okay. Now, yeah. do you remember how long it took for them to pay you back? It took, the longest took is getting all the paperwork through and everything like that. So, it's not actually World Nomads that I went through that does it. There's a third party. Um, now it's nationwide, I think, or something. It was different then. So, basically, your claim goes... You buy it through World Nomads, then your claim goes through a third-party insurer, and that's the person that's going to pay you. So that's the person you have to deal with to get your money. Okay. And they go slow. So if you have to put on your credit card and you don't have much cash, it will probably be, I'd say, at least a month before you get your funds back. 
I have to say, like, recently, it wasn't World Nomads, it was <coughs> IMG Global, but yeah. I found it to be similar with a few companies. It's now taking, like, two to three months sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it takes a long time. That's if you get all your paperwork in correctly. And a lot of times they'll take two weeks and they'll be like, oh, you need to have this, too. And then you have to find your you have to find your flight receipt or whatever, too, and your documentation for that. And yeah, yeah, it takes a while. It's definitely a slow process. I'd say that too to just have people note that if you're out of money, if you're like you're paying this on your credit card, it could be a while to get the money back. Yes, so plan definitely. For that. Yeah. yeah, plan if you have a big expense or anything, it will be a while to get back. So, and they don't cover if you have interest on your credit card either. Oh. You know, so if you have two grand of bills, and you can't pay it off right away, and it's been three months, that's all on you. The interest then. That's very good to know. Yeah. I think it's definitely worth asking family members if possible to help you cover that yep. just so you don't have to pay that. That's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Understandable in a way from the insurance company's point of view, but yeah. yeah. Okay, well, are there any other injuries you had that you think could be a learning process for our listeners? Something to take away? Um, so, like, nothing has to be extreme, too. So, like, I've done claims where I just got sick. Mm-hmm. You know, you can claim anything. So I had, I've done a couple. One was like an ear infection. So it can be small claims. So an ear infection I went to in Mexico that still cost 50 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can still claim that. It doesn't have to be a big injury because it's still money. Right. As um, long as you're deductible. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is there are different plans. Oh, yeah, and some let's do. Say your deductible yeah. is like 100 bucks. So then, you know, you yeah. wouldn't be reimbursed for that. Yeah. And that's one thing good about World Nomads. There is no deductible. It's anything. There's no minimum that you have to spend or whatever before they pay you back. But yeah, some plans do like um, AG, A&G or whatever. Yeah, yeah they have a deductible. Global. That's what um, I'm with me. It was like 150 yeah. bucks. Yeah. I'm like, why did I only get this much back? But yeah. And I think um, Allianz might be the same too, depending on what plan you have. But yeah, so definitely look at your deductible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it can be simple things. And it's once you do one claim with one company, you kind of learn what they need to do. And it's, it gets easier after that, but... Is there anything else for World Nomads with claiming that you think people should know? Yes. World Nomads, and I think it's the same with Allianz, is if you go home at any time during... Oh, it's not for claiming, but if you go home at all during your travels, so say you book six months of insurance and you plan to see you know, five countries or wherever, and you decide, oh, I'm going to go home. I miss my family for a week. I'm going to say hi and then go continue my adventures. Your travel insurance will be canceled immediately. And they don't really advertise that. So if you go within 100 miles of your home during your travels, your insurance is done. And this is for any country, not just any country, the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Any country. So yeah, say I'm backpacking Central America, and I've been doing it for four months, and it's my niece's birthday. I'm like, oh, I should go home and see my niece for three days. Fly home, my insurance is canceled immediately, even though I still have two months left in my policy. Yeah, that's really good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know the U.S. also has special rules, special expenses for us if we, mm-hmm. let's say the policy finishes and then we go back to the U.S., some some companies will give you like 15 days of coverage as long as it's 100 miles from your yeah. home, mm-hmm. but others won't at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to really read the fine print. Yeah, so just read the fine print and make sure that you know when you're covered and when you're not in all the little loopholes. So that's the first thing when I look up any policy is I get the handbook and I read through it and see the little things like flights, baggage, what type of electronics are covered, you know, policy for going home, companion policies and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say too that maybe there's even websites and blogs that will outline that stuff for you. 
um, mm. a little easier to understand, but I know we can't trust and put all of our yeah. trust in those people. There's a lot of websites and blogs that will compare them, but they won't get in-depth and outline that because they're basically clickbait for affiliates. Oh. And they don't care who you purchase through, they just want you to click through them. Mine, I outline a few of them pretty in-depthly, but yeah. And those policies, I'm sure, are always changing. Yeah, they're well. always changing, so it's always it'll change with one year to the next or if the underwriter gets changed to run. So the best is to just look it up yourself. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody really goes that in depth with it. Okay. Yeah. And it shouldn't be too hard to understand. No, uh, it's not. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm wondering like what your next adventure is that you would like to, I don't know, what, what's your next travel dream on your <laughs> list? Oh, my list has changed recently this past year or so. Um, I used to dream about seeing a lot more places. And lately I've been going, well, that's a lie. I have seen two new countries this year, which has been cool. But I don't know, I'm getting older and my dream is kind of changing, I think. And I'm feeling more like exploring home around the U.S., around Canada, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, I'm finding what I like and I like being in nature. I like hiking and that's something I really want to do. Yeah. How yeah. long have you been on the road? Since 2013, on and off, okay. between injuries and stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, um, that's a while. I can see where... I know that yeah. as um, digital nomads, we go through all kinds of different emotions mm-hmm. and different places where... Sometimes I just feel like I want to stay in a place for three months. Yeah. And I do have those feelings where I'm like, where is my permanent home and where is that going to be? Yeah. So. Yeah, so it all depends on how you feel. Because you know? right now I feel like less backpacking, more like doing nature and travel slowly and staying in a place for a while yeah yeah okay um so sometimes I ask my interviewees about packing and about three things that they have as like unique items that they just can't like maybe it's hard to find on the road what are your three things (laughs) um my three unique items some are unique some I guess a couple are unique the most unique one would be I always travel with carabiners Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not like real rock climbing carabiners, just like cheap ones you can get. And I love traveling with those. Um, I use them for everything. You hook your keys on them. You um, use them to hang clothes, bottle opener. I hang, I know you travel, so I usually use them to hang like my shoes on my backpack or like a bag of snacks. You can clip it, hang it on there. I just use them for everything. I used to have this like pesky water bottle that would fall mm-hmm. out of the side of my backpack and I started using a carabiner to hook it on. Yep. Yeah, I do that too. I clip my water bottle and everything. Yeah. The first time it fell off is I'm pulling that bag <laughs> down from the overhead bin and it hits the bottom. I'm like, oh, carabiner. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a good example because I have no idea where you would go to find a carabiner Amazon. on the road. Oh, on the road. Yeah, yeah you can't like, find them like, anywhere. Which store? Yeah. Where do you go? I don't know. And that's yeah. why I have these unique items because, yeah, yeah it's like the hassle of yeah, especially here. I don't yeah. know where we go. Walmart? Maybe Walmart. But, uh, I don't even know if they have them at Walmart here. Yeah, you never know because it depends on the country. They have like an outdoor section, but even if they do, nobody really rock climbs. Yeah. I don't know, except for like Europe or in the States or somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. when you get out that like Google image and you're just showing pictures yeah. of carabiners. <laughs> like, please know what this is. Please know what this like, is. I want this. <laughs> yeah. So I usually travel with like eight or 10 of them. Just, I use them for everything. Perfect. Yeah. Um, another thing I always travel with is external batteries to charge my electronics. That's been key, long bus rides, and especially certain places, like a lot of hostels, there aren't that many outlets or whatever, so it's, it's always nice to have an external battery. So you buy a specific device that allows for batteries, because I have one of the power packs, but of course I need electricity to charge that every now and again. And, yeah. Um, is that what well, same thing like the power pack, yeah. Okay. Power okay. packs, yeah. Power pack. Yeah. So not like AA or, you know, AAA battery type oh. of... 
Because I've, no. I've seen those as well where you have, like, like for camping, mm. you have actual batteries. Yeah, no, not those. Just, okay. like, the little power bank. I don't know what you call them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess power bank is what Power bank, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's my next thing that I use the most because even if you are working, like, on your computer, if you're sitting down at a cafe and there's no plug-in, it's nice to have that if you need to charge your phone or something. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel so much more calm. Because mm-hmm. the minute I lose my phone is the minute I forget where my hotel is. And <laughs> Directions, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, another thing I travel with, I always travel with a speaker, um, always key. Yeah, this year I haven't used it as much, but my first year's backpacking, I always had a speaker because there's always get-togethers and people sitting around, mm-hmm. so I use that a lot. If you don't really want to carry more stuff, I say the most, the third useful thing would be your favorite apps like Spotify or Netflix. Like I don't think I could travel without Spotify. Yeah. Just having that connection with music and stuff for long bus rides. very helpful carabiner if you remember that Carabiners. <laughs> I don't have any with me right now what do you think that travel or what do you think that you've learned the most from travel or that travel has taught you <laughs> I have that here um I think I have that here yeah <laughs> oh yeah, we could, we could put that. yeah. what has travel taught you about life and yourself Ooh, what has travel taught me about life and myself a lot of things especially um you know, coming from where I grew up, it has definitely opened my mind to other things for sure. That's um, shown me that people are friendly all around the world, not just where you live. There's friendly people everywhere. Actually, some of the nicest people I've met in the world are traveling. And it's amazing to me how often people will give when they don't have anything to give to just to help you. You know, I've seen that a lot in a lot of countries where they'll give you food or share their whatever with you. And they look like, when you look like you're struggling and they don't have much to share you know that's what it's taught me it's taught me um you know to appreciate what I have and where you know everything that I'm given I guess because we are pretty lucky to do to be able to travel when a lot of people aren't able to travel too yeah we are it's good as someone who's been traveling for six years I'm sure you have those moments to where you're reminded Mm -hmm. of how lucky you are yeah and we're you know pretty fortunate too aside from being able to travel or work online, just the fact that like where we come from, our passport lets us go to places mm-hmm. and our currency is strong and lets us go to other countries. You know, if you're from South Africa or Thailand and you try to go to another country where the currency value is a little different, you know, for us in the States, our dollar stretches to a lot of countries where if you're from Cambodia, your Cambodian real doesn't stretch very far going to a different country. Right, and even that some countries just want our actual currency. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so it gives you a lot of humility, a lot of, you know, understanding that there are amazing people everywhere and to be fortunate for what you can have. Even if you don't have a lot, just everyone's fortunate for that they do have things. Yeah. If somebody from North Dakota or somebody that you know was thinking of doing the same that you did and starting out and getting on the road, what advice do you have for them? Um, I would say do it. Yeah. The hardest part is going to do it. I know, like I said, I wouldn't have done it without my friend, I don't think. But it's not as scary as you think when you go traveling. You know, it might be scary when you think about it, but once you get out there, there are, it's like a nice little community. There are people that have been to places, they know more than you or whatever, they're willing to help. And it's always, there's always somebody there that'll help you. And yeah, so I'd say not be afraid and just to do it. 
I did. I just. I mean, I should have asked this earlier. Like, mm-hmm. what made you get back on the road so many times after so many injuries? Like, did you have your family members just telling you, "Look, Travel <laughs> and you probably aren't meant for each other. Look at this. You're back here again." How did you get over that? I've had a lot of people tell me that. Even people I've met traveling. <laughs> that I'm very accident prone, and weird things happen around me. Maybe not just to me, but around me. Yeah. Um, it's been hard, honestly. Um, after so that's not my only injury. So I've broken my foot, I've broken my wrist, I've cracked ribs, um, I've broken a toe, and like those things have added up. But it was the Thailand one where I've broken my jaw and everything. That was the most severe. And to be honest, like getting back on the road then was scary. Um, I didn't start traveling right away. I went to Mexico for three months and didn't travel. I stayed in one area, but it was still scary. I was scared to get in vehicles even at home. I was scared to do anything so it has been a lot of overcoming fear since then and um, even this year I wasn't planning on visiting like a lot of different countries but I slowly got out to it I got an opportunity to go to Pakistan and that kind of reopened my eyes to my love of traveling because like otherwise I don't know I would have stayed in one spot and yeah so it's been hard Mm -hmm. that definitely added up and I think that's probably why I've been wanting to focus more on travel in the U.S. or something simpler. What, like, how did you convince yourself to get back out on the road, and how did you overcome, I don't know if there were voices um, in your head telling you, like, oh, you shouldn't do this, or... Yeah, it's just been, I suppose it's been kind of stubbornness that I started, because I did make a brand around it, you know, Outside Vibes is my dream, so I knew I wanted to keep up with that, I didn't want to just quit that, so it's between, like, wanting to keep that going and knowing that I did it once enjoy traveling a lot. So I think it was mostly just, okay, you can do this, get over it, it'll be okay. Um, I went to Scotland. Yeah, and like, yeah I went to, your dream. Yeah, <laughs> I achieved my dream. I went to Scotland, saw a bunch of castles, but that was like my first time really leaving somewhere new after being hurt, and it helped me because I spent time by myself and I drove around and like really like revitalized me too. Mm-hmm. So the new places I've seen this year have revitalized like my desire to travel and it's just yeah Yeah. I think it's just kind of like knowing that I've had a mindset for a long time that I'm going to get hurt and it's kind of overcoming that too that okay no you're not going to get hurt you'll be fine thing yeah I've I've known people that with flying because we fly so much Mm -hmm. they go through ups and downs of being afraid of flying yeah and it's a whole process to yeah talk yourself back down to the normal range of what you might experience on a plane yeah Um, so I think it's I, I really admire you for being able to get back on the road and still love it and still push yourself to new places. So thank you. Yeah. Well, um, if people want to check out your website or follow you, where can they go? Yeah, so you can follow me on Outside Vibes for most social medias. That's my name: Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. I don't really Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. My website is outsidevibes.com, and that's where I share a lot of my travel stories. I share. You know, basically everything. My main focus though is Instagram. So if you want to see some weird day-to-day things, you can definitely go there. Do you post pictures of your injuries? Uh, I do. I do have a few stories on my blog about being injured. Yeah. Okay. And I talk about them, how I feel. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to read about some horrible injuries, you can definitely check out the I mean, website. And I think it's like an admiring, like an you know, the story of courage and continuing perseverance. You know. I have a full page of. I think it's called like my travel injuries or it's just like list all my little travel injuries <laughs> and also like i've learned a lot about you know claiming for insurance from you and, and this is stuff that people do every day you mm-hmm. know unfortunately yeah. so yeah 
thank you for sharing that too because I think you have a unique story to tell there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on this, Becky. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. And I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of Mexico. Yeah, me too. It's awesome here. So I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Sheridan. He is such a nice guy and I also have to give him a huge shout out as being the designer who revamped my website in a really big way. So go and check out theschooloftravels.com. You're going to see all these amazing new features that Sheridan put on the website for me. And I highly recommend him if you want to work and revamp your own website or even get a website going, contact him at outsidevibes.com or at his Instagram at outsidevibes. And he would be more than happy to help you, I'm sure. He's also, as you could tell from the interview, he's really easygoing, very easy to work with. I also found Sheridan's story so inspiring of being from North Dakota and admitting that he probably would never have started traveling if not for a friend who was in a similar position, you know, bored of their job, wanting to quit and encourage Sheridan to travel. And I think that's so great. And I think the way they started could be a way for you if you've been on the fence or you've felt too scared to start. Um, always go with a friend. You never know where that can lead. And as we heard from Sheridan, eventually he went on solo travel after that and realized that travel was the way for him. So thank you for that inspiration, Sheridan. I also want to leave you with a travel quote, as I always do. And this week, I chose a quote by Jamie Lynn Beatty T. I think I'm pronouncing that right, T-H-I. And the quote says, jobs fill your pocket, but adventures fill your soul. And that kind of reminded me of the moment when Sheridan came back to his job that had been held for him for six months. And he told them, I don't want this job. I'm going to go on more adventures, essentially. And I know that his soul is now full and he just seems so relaxed and so at peace with his vision to travel. And he has a great website. Thank you again, Sheridan, for joining us this week. And I look forward to bringing you one more interview from the Nomad Summit next week. It is a great one. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. And I wish you all a wonderful week until then. Thanks for listening to the School of Travels podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to The Sam Chase for allowing us to use their song, In a Perfect World. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode, and remember to always let travel be your teacher. If you keep your options open, there are places you will go. They will treat you like the kings and queens your parents thought you'd be when you were born. With your head up standing tall And you'd look back and think it's funny How you spent your time and money